And now it's time for us to discuss more of these headlines and simple keywords with Adam joining us via Zoom. Happy Monday, Adam. Happy Monday, Lena. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. It was a busy weekend, lots of headline updates. So let's jump into the deep end of this pool. This is our first keyword of the day. Forced labor compensation. So the Korean government will announce its solution to settle a dispute over compensation for wartime forced labor victims today. Of course, uh, it won't come easy as what the victims want may be different from the government's approach. What can we expect? Right. So according to reports, the Japanese companies that were ordered in 2018 by the Supreme Court here uh, to compensate the victims will not pay damages. Instead, they are expected to contribute to a fund uh, set up to improve relations between the two countries. Uh, Korea and Japan tentatively, uh, tentatively agreed to create a so-called Future Youth Fund to sponsor scholarships for students. This is all part of a deal on settling uh, the compensation issue. It'll be formally joint, uh, jointly formed rather by the Federation of Korean Industries and the, um, the Japan Business Federation, so the big lobby groups of the two countries. Now, Foreign Minister Park Jin is expected to announce the details uh, of the agreement today. The announcement will almost certainly draw criticism from the victims. Uh, they want direct compensation and direct apologies from the Japanese firms uh, involved. Um, Japan's Nikkei reported that a Korean foundation would pay compensation on behalf of Japan and the Japanese side would acknowledge expressions of apology and reflection made by the previous administrations. How the Japanese government will react to the decision is less clear. According to Japanese news reports, um, Prime Minister Fumio Kishida uh, may suggest that President Yoon uh, hold a summit in Tokyo to discuss the matter further. Uh, Kishida also reportedly plans to say he's extending past statements on wartime forced labor, which include an apology for Japan's colonialism. That's basically a succession of uh, or an update to uh, a previous statement that was a declaration that was made between the two countries to kind of settle these um, bilateral uh, tension issues. Now, Tokyo also reportedly plans to lift uh, restrictions on some tech material exports to Korea uh, and restore its status as one of its uh, tr uh, trusted trade partners on its so-called um, white list of trading partners. So some con uh, concessions reportedly are mm. uh, going to be made from Tokyo, while Seoul uh, tries to, you know, it's being dubbed as a kind of a third party uh, process in terms of this compensation on Seoul's part. But of course, uh, the victims are expected to not really welcome or uh, is, is expected to face some backlash from the Korean victims, um, this announcement. So we'll have to see uh, if the, uh, both the Korean and Japanese governments stick with this uh, new plan that's being proposed, mm. but uh, that is an announcement that's going to be made today. All right, so waiting for that announcement later today. As for that summit in Tokyo, some reports suggest that one might happen before the end of this month, but these are all just speculation at this point. With that, mm -hmm. we move on to our second keyword of the day. Chip diplomacy. So National Security Advisor Kim Song-an is in the U.S. to discuss pending issues between the two nations, including the controversial U.S. CHIPS Act. I mean, just two years ago, it seems that both sides were touting this sort of tech alliance that, you know, we were in this together and it would be a win-win solution. Now, uh, the narrative has changed a great deal since the changes made to the U.S. CHIPS and Science Act. What can we expect from the trip itself? 
Right. Well, Kim said his meetings in Washington will address uh, Korean businesses' concerns about the uh, U.S. Chips Act and also the Inflation uh, Reduction Act. So there's two laws in the U.S. that uh, Korea and Korean firms are a bit concerned about. He told reporters upon arrival in the U.S. that although South Korea and the U.S. are allies, their goals and priorities may differ, and he vowed to seek ways to minimize damage on Korean businesses. He added that he will assess the impact on Korean firms, whether it be positive or negative, and see how uh, Korean businesses can kind of work around these U.S. laws and if there can be any concessions and agreements made. Uh, he was also asked about Ford's announcement, the car maker, uh, last month, that it will build a battery plant in Michigan by licensing technologies from China's CATL, which has the world's largest market share. That issue actually caused some concerns of um, discrimination and possible favoritism towards the U.S. firms. And it also came after uh, Ford and um, SK On, a Korean uh, battery maker, uh, uh, made a deal, but then that deal kind of fell through. So uh, there were kind of issues as well. Um, is Ford kind of, you know, backhanding uh, the Korean company? Uh, but uh, Kim said there were some disparities between the related reports on that issue and said it is important to find out the truth. Uh, didn't really say much else apart from that. Uh, meanwhile, he plans to finalize the timing and level of President Yoon's upcoming visit to Washington. Of course, that trip may also have that uh, U.S. Chips Act and IRA uh, at the top of the agenda as well. He also said he plans to discuss with his White House counterpart, Jake Sullivan, and other U.S. foreign and security officials on how to strengthen the alliance and coordinate over North Korea's nuclear threat. So mm -hmm. he's there for uh, about five days. And so we'll have to see what comes out of his meetings with Jake Sullivan and others. All right. And of course, it's time for us to do a little bit of COVID coverage. It seems that we've steered clear of the subject matter for a number of different reasons. For one, it seems that infection numbers are at more manageable levels. So that brings us to our third keyword of the day. Remaining rules. So Korean health officials and experts have kicked off talks on the possible lifting of the remaining COVID restrictions. What's the latest, Adam? Yes, so the remaining regulations uh, include some uh, mask mandates and the obligation to isolate for seven days uh, after a case is confirmed. Masks are still mandatory, of course, on public transport and in medical facilities, including pharmacies. Uh, other matters being discussed include lowering the COVID-19 crisis alert level and adjusting the infectious disease level as well. Now, the government had said it would lift the remaining measures when the COVID-19 alert, which is currently in the serious stage, is lowered to the level of warning or caution, or when the COVID-19 infectious disease level is adjusted from the current two to four. Now, other possible adjustments include reducing the number of beds for COVID-19 patients from the current uh, 3,900 to about 1,000. Uh, this comes as the average daily number of confirmed patients has decreased for nine consecutive weeks, and the bed use rate is stable at 11.5%. So um, we'll have to see if and when the remaining rules uh, are lifted. But uh, of course, experts have also always had a kind of a cautionary tone in their kind of opinions when uh, discussing these matters. The government wants to put the economy back on track and kind of, and kind of get away from this whole uh, pandemic 
uh, restriction that mm. uh, has been gripping the country, um, albeit, although it has uh, been mostly lifted now. But uh, of course, um, Korea wants to kind of go into this endemic process mm. uh, and era. So we'll have to see what uh, what results come out from these talks. All right, let's move on to our fourth keyword of the day. Chips unsold. So Korea's semiconductor inventory has increased to its highest point in 26 years amid a sluggish demand for chips. I mean, to be fair, I mean, it did see unprecedented demand during the height of the pandemic, but export numbers will likely take a huge blow because of this inventory. Tell us the details. Yeah, so it's pretty much inevitable data uh, and a kind of a trend that was expected, sure. uh, but now it has reached kind of that inner record uh, high statistics Korea data shows the inventory to sales ratio of chips produced by local chip makers came in at 265.7% in January. That is the highest figure since 288.7% uh, that was posted in March 1997, so at the height of the Asian financial crisis. Now, exports of chips also nosedived 42.5% on year to just under $5.7 billion uh, in February. Samsung Electronics and SK Hynix have seen their inventory surge. Uh, Samsung's inventory assets reportedly reached an all-time high of 52.2 trillion won as of the fourth quarter of last year. That's up 26% on year. SK's inventory assets also jumped 75% on year to some 15.6% trillion one during the same period. Now, as a higher ratio usually indicates that companies are facing more hurdles in selling their products, uh, the chip makers will likely reduce production or lower prices further to maintain sales, resulting in falling uh, chip prices. Also, with a higher inventory to sales ratio, global chip prices mm. are likely to drop further as well, and investment pressure from the US makes matters uh, worse as well. Of course, Samsung Electronics and SK Hynix, they're not just Korea's top chip makers, they're the world's mm. top chip makers as well. So any kind of changes in production or price adjustments will have kind of a global uh, repercussions. Um, so, yeah, so uh, <laughs> being chips being Korea's export or key export item certainly isn't looking very uh, Rosie at the moment, unfortunately. Pair that with the U.S. trip sags, and it's looking yeah. awfully tough. But that's mm. the reality. What's the next step? In fact, we'll have a little discussion in our second hour. So thanks for setting up the stage for us, Adam. With mm -hmm. that, we move on to our final keyword of the day. Less energy use. So amid rising energy prices, energy consumption has also been dropping for two straight months. It also helps that it was unseasonably warm this winter. What's the latest? Yeah, it was unseasonably warm, but I think it's mostly due to the rising prices and, of course, a hike in electricity prices as well. And it seems many people have been saving on energy costs despite the cold uh, winter months. Uh, now, industry data shows that Peak power use was at uh, 76,183 megawatts in the month of February. That's down 1.4% from the same month last year. The January figure was a 0.4% decrease on year. So that's two straight months of decreases. Now, the peak power is basically recorded as the most power used during the day. So at a certain point during the day uh, where uh, the power is peaking, those figures are then added for the month. And the month average therefore comes out. Now, the figure also saw a decline 
uh, back in October and November last mm-hmm. year. So it's not really that cold during those months, but still energy declining uh, during those two months. Uh, but picked up again in December, of course, because of this uh, uh, cold wave that the country saw. Um, the figures for January and February are also quite rare as energy consumption tends to rise during those months as well. So as soon as electricity and power prices were uh, raised, I mean, we saw uh, in the headlines the kind of record amount of heating bills that mm. came out in the country as well. Uh, pe- uh, uh, this will being doubled with the kind of, you know, struggling um, economy and people right, struggling right. financially as well. So, of course, that inevitably leads to people using less uh, because in order to save costs, basically. Right, right. High prices for the vulnerable is probably not a good news. But I mean, just to put kind of a different angle on this from an environmental angle, this might be a positive change, right? Bundling up mm. and less electricity use. But what prompted is probably not the best reason after right. all. Mm. Thanks, Adam, for today's discussions. Have a safe Monday. It's warm today, apparently, so have a good one. It's certainly looking like it. Uh, Enjoy the day. See you tomorrow. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.